You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everyone. Welcome to an episode of Wake Up With The Warriors. We're getting started with the second round here, recapping game one between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets, the highly anticipated rematch of last year's thrilling Western Conference Finals. And there was so much anticipation for this game and for this series because, with all due respect to the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers, one of those teams will make the Conference Finals, it feels pretty clear to everyone watching that this is the real conference finals in the West. Whoever wins the series and whoever wins the next series, there's going to be a heavy favorite and it's going to be Golden State or Houston. Whoever wins the series is going to be penciled in by most people to make the NBA finals. So that mixed up with the fact that it's a rematch of last year's conference finals, which was one of the best playoff series in a very, very long time made for really a thrilling build-up to this game because there are a lot of questions. Houston has been playing out of their mind wonderful over the last few months. Golden State has had a little bit of a disappointing year between the record, their net rating, some off-court stuff, etc., even though they've still been a fantastic team. There have been questions as to whether they're still that world-beating dynastic squad that they have been for three of the last four years, or really all of the last four years minus three games in 2016 that we don't talk about. So really there were a lot of questions to be answered. Houston rolled through their first-round matchup against a very tough Utah team. Golden State obviously had their issues with the eight-seeded Clippers. How was that going to play out here? And for the most part, this game was about as exciting as you would hope for. It was it was neck and neck the whole way through, really. The Warriors jumped out to a pretty nice lead early on. Nothing that ever felt too substantial, given how quickly Houston can score the ball. But the notable thing, at least in the early going, was how well the Warriors were defending the Rockets, how well they were defending James Harden, how well they were defending that uh, James Harden-Clint Capella pick-and-roll. I had a lot of questions as to how well they would defend it, not necessarily questions as in worried that they wouldn't be able to, but curiosity as, as to how they would handle that. Obviously, in the first round, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell ran the pick-and-roll over and over and over again, and in um, games 1, 2, and 5, they dominated the Warriors, those two players with that action, and in games 3, 4, and 6, they couldn't get anything going. So it's a little bit of a barometer uh, for the Warriors' defense. Right out of the gates, the Warriors' defense was tremendous in shutting down that action. 
Um, they were they were pretty aggressive defending Harden. They played him straight up. They didn't do really anything that that Utah did in the first round, where Utah was really in the first few games they were forcing Harden, not just forcing Harden right, just gifting him right, fully taking away left, not even attempting to guard him right. That caused some issues for them because of his ability to do the kind of half side step, half back step three-pointer when moving to his right so in the latter half of that series they started defending him really from behind and just not giving him any ability to step backwards and a lot of times they were just literally putting Ricky Rubio or whoever was defending Harden behind him even at the three-point line and just not giving him that space to have a step back three like he likes allowing him to waltz into the lane where Rudy Gobert was, gifting him the mid-range jumper or the you know elbow floater, which he didn't really want to shoot. And that worked a little bit. The Warriors didn't do anything that um, drastic, in part because they just have better wing defenders than Utah. So Andre Iguodala, who got the start in this game, um, he and Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, all of the, those four players can defend James Harden straight up pretty well. And even Steph Curry did, did a very nice job on, on Harden this game. So they were kind of aggressive with him in that way. And then as far as Capella went, they, they managed to, to stay aggressive on Harden without sacrificing that aggression at Capella. They were not gifting him those lobs that a lot of teams do when they put too much attention on Harden. Capella in this game, he only took two shots, played 27 minutes. He took two shots and two free throws. So obviously Capella isn't as good of an offensive player as James Harden or Chris Paul or Eric Gordon, but when he gets a lot of shots, it's usually a good sign for Houston because it means that they're finding him those easy opportunities in the pick and roll. That was not the case here, and it wasn't anything Capella was doing. It was just the way that the Warriors were playing him. Even the guy who came off the bench for him, Nene, took three shots, two free throws. So, you know, out of their centers who played 41 of the 48 minutes, they only got five shots and four free throws. So the Warriors were really forcing Houston to stay kind of on the perimeter and really forcing Harden to shoot rather than to pass. Harden had six assists in this game, which is a nice amount, but not a huge amount for him. Um, so on that note, let's talk about Harden scoring because Harden is obviously a huge storyline in this series, perhaps the biggest storyline in this series. The guy who really all the questions kind of surround, can the Warriors shut him down? If they can't, how far can he lead Houston? The Warriors, you know, obviously have a better secondary option than Harden does, as good as Chris Paul is. He's no Steph Curry or Kevin Durant, whichever of those you deem, you know, the Warriors' second best player. So a lot of this falls to James Harden. And unfortunately, the storyline of this game as thrilling and entertaining as this game was, the storyline became the officiating, particularly in regards to James Harden. Uh, the Warriors had a lot of plays where there was contact defending Harden shooting threes and fouls were not called. A lot of plays were that are, are 
are just a difficult play to call, as we've seen all year with Harden, where he's shooting a three-pointer and he's jumping forward about four feet. And the defender is closing out and moving forward, as one does when closing out and contesting a shot, and getting under Harden's landing space. Landing space became a, uh, a key term in this game. And that results in a lot of contact. For the most part, the referees were not calling that a foul. They were pretty consistent in not calling that a foul. Uh, so you praise them for the consistency in not calling it a foul throughout the entirety of the game. But the worrying part for many fans was the inconsistency in how it was called a day versus how it was called for the bulk of the regular season where that usually was a foul. So it was a difficult and unfortunate thing to watch because you obviously can't make everyone happy with fouls. I have a lot of empathy for Harden and the Rockets because that's something that's part of their game plan. It's something they have grown accustomed to being called. It's something that Mike D'Antoni in his post-game presser was reciting the new rule change from the league almost verbatim because he knows the way it's supposed to be called and didn't feel like it was being called that way. And then on the other hand, you understand why the refs didn't call it. You understand why the Warriors felt comfortable contesting those shots, because ideally, it shouldn't be that you can change the form of your shot just to draw a foul. James Harden doesn't jump forward four feet on his three-pointers when he's wide open. He only does it when someone is closing out on him, and that obviously doesn't sit right with a lot of basketball fans that you should be able to alter the form, the mechanics on your jump shot and be rewarded with a foul call for that. So this created a lot of back and forth, which unfortunately became became the story. After the game, uh, James Harden said um, that he just wants a fair chance. That Those were his post-game remarks. Uh, Draymond Green responded to them. He said, and I quote, I've been fouled by James on a James three-pointer before. I ain't trying to hear that. He later called refereeing an inexact science. Um, So it was a bummer that that became the topic. Marcus Thompson II had a great uh, quote about it. He said, um, here's the quote. This is a tweet from Marcus Thompson. Quote, the post-game feel feels like the spin room after a State of the Union address. It's like the West Wing in the bowels of Oracle. And that's just not what you want in uh, one of the most highly anticipated playoff series in the last few years. You don't want it to become a spin room. You don't want it to be a case of everyone complaining or making excuses or talking about the referees. You want it to be about the game, and, and that's not a critique of anyone because, again, I, I do think that the Rockets have reason to be upset, even though I like the way the game was called. The Warriors, for that matter, were upset too with the way that Kevin Durant was being defended. The Rockets just could not do anything, not surprisingly, to stop Durant from getting his shot off to the point where when Durant was facing up with the ball, usually on the elbow or you know, on the baseline, extended a little bit. 
the Rockets defenders were just blatantly putting both of their hands on him, which, you know, when you are facing the basket, you're not allowed to do. Uh, but they were doing it time and time again without getting called for it. And the Warriors were not happy about that. Ultimately, even with all these complaints from both sides, Durant shot 15 free throws. Harden shot 14 free throws. So they were certainly getting their opportunities. And with those amount of free throws, both players, it shouldn't be surprising, scored a lot, even though neither was particularly efficient. The Warriors just did a great job on Harden, and his three-point shot wasn't falling in part because he was looking for those fouls and not getting them. Uh, He shot just 9 of 28 from the field and 4 of 16 from beyond the arc. He made 13 of those 14 free throws, finished with 35 points. Durant, aggressive like we've seen in the last few games, though not as efficient as we've seen in the last few games. P.J. Tucker did do a really good job on him, even though Houston was helpless in trying to stop him from actually attempting his shots. But Durant shot just 11 of 25, which is a little low for him. 12 of 15 from the free throw line, 1 of 3. On three-pointers, he finished with 35 points. And really, Durant was was the offense for the Warriors for much of this game. These two offensive powerhouses put in strong defensive performances, and it really ended up being a very defensive-minded game. Um, Each team scored 30 or more points in a quarter just once this game. So eight potential quarters between two of the best offensive teams we've ever seen in the league. We just got two 30-point quarters. Um, the Rockets were held under 25 points in three of the four quarters. The Warriors were held to 21 in the fourth, 25 in the second. So it was a defensive-minded game, to be certain. And the Warriors really s- stepped it up in all areas. Durant had a really strong defensive game. Draymond Green was spectacular defensively, as he needs to be in this series, because he's arguably their most important perimeter defender and arguably their most important interior defender. And against a team like Houston that has the strong pick and roll, that has the many shooters, that relies on free throws both beyond the three-point line and at the rim, that inside-outside defense is absolutely vital. So Dre's defense, huge in this game. He almost got a triple-double, 14 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. Shot 7 of 9 from the field. That aggression is important. Um, the other question coming in for the Warriors were the health of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Both players injured their ankles during Friday's closeout game against the Clippers. Curry seemed fine after the game, though he, he was pretty heavily wrapped. Clay did not seem quite as good. He he expressed confidence, but you know, I saw him walking around. He, he He was hindered a little bit. And they were questionable. Clay was a game-time decision in this game. The Warriors did not decide until after he had gone through his his pregame warm-up, you know, an hour or so before the game, whether or not he was even going to play. Ultimately, they both played, and they both looked a little bit compromised. They, they were all right, but they didn't seem 100%, either of them. Uh, Curry shot 5 of 12. Clay shot five of thirteen. Not the not the greatest nights for either, but but they played solid all around games. And most importantly, they got through the games uninjured, and the Warriors seemed optimistic after the game 
about the health of them going forward. So I would certainly expect that barring any, you know, bizarre swelling that they experience overnight or whatever, that we will see them both for Tuesday's game two and likely see them playing a little bit better. So ultimately this game came down to the wire. The Warriors kind of controlled it the whole game just in terms of almost always having the lead in this game, even though the lead was never particularly comfortable. It came down to the final few minutes. Very, very, very close game. Um, With the Warriors leading by two and only, you know, 30 or so seconds left on the clock. They've been ISOing KD just relentlessly because no one could stop him from getting shot off. And then on their last play, up to 30 seconds or so left, they gave Curry the ball, got a pick-and-roll switch with Nene guarding him. Curry just absolutely cooked him and made an incredible three-pointer, showed off a lot of swagger as Houston called a timeout and Curry was kind of egging on the fans. Uh, Houston ended up getting three points, or a few of those points back, um, two of those points back to make it a three-point game, and then when the Warriors inbounded the ball, the Rockets stole it, had a chance to tie the game. Harden shot a three that he missed. This was the biggest one that created the Discussion about the officiating. There was a lot of contact between he and Draymond Green. Harden started from about five feet beyond the arc, finished inside the arc, collided with Draymond, hit the deck. No foul was called. Harden was livid. Chris Paul got the rebound, lost it out of bounds, exploded at the refs, got ejected, which subsequently ended the game because Steph Curry made the technical free throw that pushed it to a two-possession game. Temper started to flare a little bit, and it it was um, certainly exciting. So ultimately, the Warriors won this game 104-100. to It was tight all the way through. It was exciting all the way through. Tempers were a little bit on edge all day because the complaining with the officiating started early. There were technical fouls for Draymond Green, Mike D'Antoni, and two for Chris Paul, one early in the game, and then that second one with about four seconds left that earned him the ejection. Uh, so between between that chirping in the game, between the back-and-forth comments in the locker room, and just between the magnitude of this series, this feels like a must-win series for both teams. Um, this series is going to pro- quite likely alter the paths of both of these teams going into the offseason and going into future seasons. So between all of that, my guess is that Tuesday's game is going to be extremely high energy and that we are going to see these teams come out of the gates firing at each other. And it should be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, So we'll be back for that game. Again, it's this Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. It's on TNT. Um, We'll be back that night with another Wake Up With The Warriors podcast. Uh, I apologize to anyone who was looking forward to a podcast following Game 6. I was covering that game in person, so I was at Staples Center until early Saturday morning, wasn't able to 
record that night. By the time I was able to record on Saturday during the day, all of the conversation had shifted from closing out the Clippers series to previewing the Rocket series, just because of how quick the turnaround was between Game 6 and Game 1. And so it felt like the window was a little bit past. But I should be here for every other game throughout the playoffs. So you can count on that, and you can certainly count on me Tuesday night. Thanks, everyone, for listening.